0: This morning I want to talk about being conformed to His image, and I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, John chapter 8. I'm going to start reading at verse 30 through 36. John chapter 8, verses 30 through 36, conformed to His image. Now, In John's gospel, the eighth chapter, Jesus had been preaching a very challenging message to his audience. And really he's addressing the religious leaders uh, primarily, but there's a crowd of people there. And he's challenging them. He's endeavoring to convince them of his true identity and that he is the son of God, and that he came to reveal the truth of his father in heaven and ultimately to die for the sins of the world. Very interesting, you can look at John chapter 8, and there's at least three times where Jesus refers to himself as I am. Who's I am, right? In the Greek language, it's ego ami, and ego ami simply means I am. And if you go back into the Old Testament, when God said to Moses, when, Mo, when Pharaoh asked me, who sent me, what, what should I say? And the Lord said, say, I am who I am. And in other words, deity, right? God, so Jesus refers to himself in John eight twenty four, and again in verse 28, and then ultimately in verse 58, he refers to himself as I am. And unless you believe that I am, that I am who I am, that I'm Yahweh. In other words, you will not experience the truth, and you die in your sins, is what he said. So he's speaking very clearly that he's not saying, I'm not just a teacher, I'm not just a prophet, I am. Woo. And they finally got it at the eighth, at the end of the eighth chapter, verse 58, and following, it says that they got so upset because he said, even he said, Abraham. But waited in anticipation for my day you know and it's like how you? i mean you're not even 50 years old jesus how is it that you can say that that you've seen abraham and then jesus is clear well i am i have existed from the beginning i am the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god and all things were created by him and i am jesus is god is what he's saying in no uncertain terms so let's pick it up here in verse 32 because interestingly even though initially he was met with strong resistance by these religious leaders jesus no-nonsense preaching did eventually find a receptive audience verse 30 says this many who heard him say these things believed in him wow Many who heard him say these things believed in him. Wow, that's good. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they responded, but we are descendants of Abraham. Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Well, it's very interesting at that time. They were ruled by the Romans, but they still didn't even get that. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Amazing. Now, here's what I want you to see. Think about this. Jesus had been preaching great resistance. People are getting angry with him. They're not welcoming his message. But finally, there's a a remnant, a core of people that respond favorably, and they believe in what he was doing and what he was preaching so you would think that jesus would do everything in his care to hold on to this group of people to coddle them or or uh, to not offend them to not do anything to lose them but the exact opposite takes place jesus goes out of his way to challenge them to commit to a life of deep consecration and radical obedience in other words he was saying it's not enough that you have believed. It's not enough that you believed, you must grow as disciples. Again, look at this verse, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. Who did he say this to? The people that want believed in him you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so jesus is speaking to the people that are believe, had believed in him and had put their faith in him who had received his message who had given the amen who said you you know i really enjoy what you're preaching and jesus turns around and says that's great but it's not enough You've got to move from a place of just being a believer to a place of discipleship. And discipleship, he's very clear, he elucidates in in no uncertain terms that discipleship involves abiding or continuing faithfully in obedience to his word. The word that he uses is abide, and it means to stay attached, to stay connected. It means to, to, uh, in a sense, to become a place where God dwells, even that's what the word means, a place where God dwells, where his word dwells. It's not a place of visitation. It's not something that you do sporadically or once in a while or, or occasionally, but it means something that you do as a lifestyle, as a practice. So discipleship is a lifestyle. And notice what he says. Discipleship is all about obedience. You are my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So two things. Continue in his word, and what happens? You'll know the truth. It doesn't mean just you'll be able to give intellectual assent to, you know, certain theological truths, but he's saying here that you will understand the truth and you will experience the truth because Jesus said the words that I speak they're spirit and life. So it's not just, you know, giving you more information, but you're going to experience and you're going to, to personally encounter my word, thy truth, and my truth will set you free. In John 17, Jesus made this statement. He said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So truth sanctifies us. It's very interesting, the word sanctify or holy or saint, whatever term you look at in, in English, its it comes from one root word in the Greek language, and it's the word hagios, and that word hagios is a very interesting term. You look it up in some, you know, uh, concordances, etc., to say to set apart, but it actually means this, to be be a person who's not of the earth or not of the soil. Gi is the word for dirt or soil, and has the idea of an antecedent it negates. So in other words, when you're set apart, when you're sanctified, you're a person who's not of the earth, you're a person that's not of the soil, not of the dirt. In other words, we don't just live like the rust of, of the human race. As God's people, we're different. As God's people, what does it say? Set your mind on things above, because that's where we're seated. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. In a sense, we're dual citizens. We're here on the earth physically, but spiritually we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Come on now. And so he's saying there is a sense in which we have to recognize that our calling is to be different. You know, I've heard people say, well, he's so heavenly minded, she's so heavenly minded, there are no earthly good." And really it's not that they're heavenly minded it's just they're strange okay they're they're weird okay because if you're really heavenly minded you're of all earthly good because Jesus was heavenly minded he was he, he only did the what he saw his father doing in heaven you know and so we're not talking about people that are just strange and they're not doing anything you know you like they're just very bizarre what we're saying here is that when we're thinking from an eternal perspective we're seeing things the way god sees them and we're implementing his plan on earth as in heaven so praise god so jesus is clear guys you believe to me that's great but it's not enough you must become a disciple i just want to say to each one of us there's just four things i'm going to go over quickly and then i'll unpack them the first thing that i want to show you i believe that god is saying to us is first of all obvious what what do we want what are we believing god for this year well we want every sinner to be a believer absolutely right and we say well Every sinner is to become a believer, absolutely. We all are sinners, and we all need a Savior, but there comes a place where we have to believe the gospel, where we have to embrace the truth, and that truth brings us to a point where we now believe we're a child of God, we're born again. That's really, really important, and there are people not only outside of this church, but there are people that come to churches regularly. They sit there week after week, and they've never really been born again. They might come to church, you know, but, but it doesn't mean that they, they really know God. They have a relationship with him. They've ever been born again. They really have not yet believed the gospel in the sense of embracing it as a truth and making Christ their Lord and Savior. Secondly, we want to see every believer become a disciple. Every believer is to become a disciple. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Amen? All right, then, every disciple becoming a discipler. Every disciple becoming a discipler or an equipper, in other words. That's really important, really, really important that we recognize that if you're a disciple, hey, maybe God's gonna challenge you this year to really disciple other people. Well, not maybe, I know he will, because it's scriptural. And then lastly, every discipler, a multiplier, What do I mean by that? A leader who develops people adds, a leader who develops leaders multiplies. So there are some people that God specifically wants to to bring to a place where you're discipling people but you need to disciple other people who will disciple others as well. So uh, let me me just go through uh, the last three of these. The first one being that every believer is to become a disciple. The Great Commission is not about making a decision to believe in Jesus Christ, but it starts there, but that's not the end of it. The Great Commission is about making disciples of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus was clear, as you go, make disciples of the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe or teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, is what he said. So discipleship is all about obedience, guys. So we are called to make disciples. So what is a disciple? Let's look at what the New Testament defines as, dis- as a disciple. We may have some great ideas. We might have some personal insights on what discipleship looks like, but We have to look at the Word of God. What does the Word say? What is what is the filter for decision-making for our lives? It's the Scripture. It's the Word of God. I don't care if you say, well, you know, this is what I saw or this is what God told me. You need to be able to back it up from the Word. So recognize that the Word is our blueprint. It's our foundation for discipleship. If you want to become a disciple, moving from being just a believer to a disciple, You need to understand first of all what a disciple is how can you become something if you don't know what it is so you start with the end in view and then you backwards engineer it so the end in view is this very clearly jesus said in luke 6 verse 40 students are not greater than their teacher but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher so jesus is the teacher correct And if we are fully trained, which interestingly, the root word fully trained there is the same word that is translated equipped, prepared, or perfected, depending on what version of the Bible you refer to in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to prepare, equip. Or perfect the saints. You are to fully train the saints would be another way to put it. So if you're fully trained, if you've been trained properly, you'll be like your teacher. So who's our teacher? So we imply we can, it infers, obviously, if we've been discipled properly, the outcome of effective discipleship is we become more like Jesus. All right. Secondly, let's look at the words of John, who was discipled by Jesus. Come on now. John was discipled by Jesus, and he's got something to say to us about discipleship. 1 John 2, verse 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they believe, those who say they're born again, those who say, I am a child of God, should say and should live their lives as Jesus did. It's not enough guys to sing and say I am a child of God, but you're not living as a child of God, right? You need to live. It's discipleship is about obedience. It's very very important that we recognize that, okay? All right. Now, Paul the apostle gives us significant insight into the purpose of the father choosing us for salvation. Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among what? Many brothers and sisters. So why did God choose us to become like his son? to be conformed to his image, the title of the message, to become like Jesus Christ. There are many other scriptures we can look at, but today we're just going to generalize this. The purpose of God saving you and me is that we would be conformed to Christ's likeness. We would become like Jesus himself, on the earth. So as I said, every sinner becomes a believer, but then every believer grows in their relationship to become like a disciple. So discipleship isn't a series of lessons. It isn't like, hey guys, sign up for our new foundations of faith course here. And when you're finished eight weeks of of uh, you know training and teaching, you'll be able to tick the box that says I understand you know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and and you have an, an you know an Orthodox uh, understanding of the Scripture. It's not so much about that where you can tick the box and say every morning I do my devotions, I tithe, I give offerings, you know, I don't curse, I don't swear, I don't smoke, I don't drink or whatever it is that was your vice it's not about that it's about becoming more like Jesus because you can stop doing all those things but you're still not becoming more like Jesus those things certainly anything that that is is uh, a bondage in your life clearly Jesus said it'll become your slave you know if you sin the nature of sin is that sin won't just let you come and go at your leisure You can't just say, well, you know, I think I'll sin today, and then I'll... No, if you sin, the Bible is very clear. It says sin will become your doulos. And the Greek word doulos means a person who gives their will to another person, a person who subjects their will to another person. So discipleship is becoming like Jesus. And discipleship is not a series of lessons. It's a lifestyle all right? Discipleship is not so much about doing the right thing as it is about becoming and being. Hmm. Discipleship is principally about identity and intimacy, not just discipline and ministry. There is discipline. The word disciple implies that. And we are to be actively involved in ministry, but ultimately it's about knowing him. It's about knowing the Lord. And everything that we do flows out of that, flows out of our personal relationship with him. Discipleship is more about obedience than it is orthodoxy. Most Christians in the Western nations, if you've been coming to church for a period of time, say a year or longer, most Christians are educated way beyond their obedience level. They know way more than what they do. We know we should share our faith. Do we share our faith? We know we should pray. We know we should help the poor, but do we do it? seriously i'm not saying anyone specific i'm just bringing that out we know we should go to church right we know that we shouldn't watch those things we know we shouldn't listen to that we know that it's not good for us but we do it and we know it but we don't do it it's about obedience it's so important obedience so every believer becomes a disciple so the key question here that i just want to throw out to you is if you were to look back at your life one year ago, how do you do that? Well, if you go on Facebook, there's a thing called memories. (laughs) And it says, on this day, one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, whatever. And you look back. So one year ago, February, I was in Africa, in Kenya. I remember what was happening. I remember there were at least three people who were blind, who had their sight restored. I remember what was going on. And it was amazing. But we need to do the same thing in our own lives. Let's look back one year ago and today. How have we changed? How have we become more like Christ? How have we become more like Christ? Some have become discouraged, some have struggled, some have regressed and pulled away. If that's the case, then you need to actively pursue. A life of discipleship once again see part of growing up an important part of growing up is showing up can I just say that if you can't don't call in crawl in you know what I'm saying so if you can crawl in, don't call in the truth is I didn't want to preach this morning I don't have much of a voice and I and I but I know I got to be here I got to do it I'm not gonna let the enemy stop me and I, I do have enough sick days that I could actually easily probably take a year off but the truth is I I'm not gonna do that because I know that I need to be here and I need to be here not just for your sake because Glenn has a message from God that you need to hear but I need to be here for my sake as well so this is something that the Lord wants us to understand that it's it's about the importance of being committed to the basic things the basics guys a lot of us you know, Vince Lombardi was a famous American football coach and he took over the Green Bay Packers and they had almost won the, the Super Bowl the year before, but they had lost. And the first thing that Vince Lombardi did as a coach when he gathered together the team is he brought out a football and he said these, inf- these famous words. He said, gentlemen, this is a football. These are guys Super Bowl contenders. They had almost won the Super Bowl the year before, and he comes out and says, gentlemen, this is a football. What was he saying? He said, we need to go back to the basics. Many of the team players disagreed with him. Many of the team players protested. They were offended. They were insulted. What are you talking about? You don't know who we were. We just almost, you know, we are contenders. We were runners up to the Super Bowl the year before. But his point is, you need to get some of the basics sorted out in your life. You may think that you, you're okay, but there's some rudimentary skills that you need to learn once again, and the same thing is true in our relationship with God. Some of the basics, like praying every day, spending time in the Word, you know, not, not you know, making a covenant with your eyes, not to look at certain things. This is the basic stuff. This is like Christianity 101, And if we can't get that right, then what makes us think we're going to be able to move forward and be able to overcome? See, it's going to cut us short. It's going to always trip us up and prevent us from becoming the person God wants us to be. And so if you become, you're a believer, then the question you need to ask yourself this year is, what am I going to do in terms of my spiritual journey to become more like Jesus so next year at this time I can look back and say, I've become holier, I've become more godly, I've become a different person, I love people, I don't have that bad attitude anymore, I'm faithful in church, I'm, you know, I'm doing more things, whatever it is, and there's different areas in your life. So every believer has to become a disciple. Wow. Every disciple ultimately should become a discipler. You know, it's interesting. When you study how Jesus made disciples, did you ever do that? I remember when I had to write a a paper on the synoptic gospels, we actually had to do a timeline of the gospels what happened in the first. So we take the different gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are the synoptic gospels, and we kind of overlay them, and we put in sequence what was happening. And it was interesting to find out that basically for the first 10 months to one year, Jesus really didn't get the guys who were following him to do much. He just said, come and follow me. In other words, hang out with me, watch me, spend time with me, learn from me, I'm gonna teach you, I'm gonna show you, just spend time with me. But right around a year, the guys that were literally with him, pretty much 24-7, he then began to challenge them about going, about reaching other people, about doing ministry, in other words, sharing their faith. But the first year, there was this foundation that he was building into their lives, so important. You know, there are so many people they run out and and there is a move of God and an emphasis in the church right now about you need to go to the school and the supernatural school of ministry because you can learn how to heal the sick, how to deliver people, how to prophesy, how to tell people their phone numbers. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed, I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th. See club for details. No kidding. And, and the point is, uh, you know, you'll be able to maybe function or operate in a certain degree where, where you might know, get words of knowledge about people, but the foundation of who you are in Christ, it's not there. And so what happens is people implode. They blow up. they active in gifts but they don't have that spiritual foundation in their life. They don't know their identity. They haven't changed, they haven't dealt with the roots, you know, the, the bitter roots, the things that are in their life that are hidden deep down with inside. There's issues of, of pride or anger or, or, or whatever it may be that still, still they're not dealing with. And uh, trust me, I know it's a process. I'm not saying that you know it just happens in, in a week. Some people, amazingly, it does, but I'm saying I recognize it's a process, but we have to address it. We have to go be intentional about journeying on that road. So rather than Jesus saying, hey, guys, I want to teach you how to prophesy, how to heal the sick, how to do these things. to The first year, Jesus didn't even address that. He didn't even teach them those things. He just said, come and follow me. Let me teach you who you are. Let me show you my love. Let me model and exemplify the lifestyle that you can live because he is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So you can walk like I walked. You can love the way I love. You can manifest the fruit of the Spirit. You can become more like me, but you got to learn to spend time with me. So the first year was all about spending time with Jesus. When I got saved, I came out of a worldly background. I came out of, you know, there were people I knew that were bad people, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said very clearly, you can't go to this particular section of the city. I don't want you going there. Stay away from there. Don't, don't, don't connect with these people. And I know there's, there's others who will teach and say, well, when you get born again, you need to call all your old friends and invite them to church and witness, and I understand that. But sometimes, guys, we're just not strong enough. Sometimes we're just not at that place where, where we can be an effective witness. You know, Paul even withdrew to the wilderness and we have to come to that place where we just allow God to build that foundation in us. You know, I, I actually played guitar, and the Lord spoke to me said, I don't want you playing guitar. You know, there were things that the Lord, because my past was connected with what I did with that guitar, was connected to the world. right? And yes, I did for a season. I ended up, I played the guitar, and I used it to glorify God. But the point is, there came a point where the Lord said, you don't even do that. Put it aside. There, there were things, very radical things he told me to do. Not only in terms of don't go there, don't watch that. In fact, can I just tell you how radical I was? Every television we had in our home, I took a baseball bat to it. Okay? Because the Lord said to me, I don't want you. Now, that was before internet, Facebook, and all the r- rubbish that's on the internet. Okay, so today, is like taking your computer, your iPhone or whatever, and disconnecting it at least so you don't have access to this. And God said to me, you need to renew your mind. You need to learn things from a biblical perspective. Don't fill your mind with rubbish. Fill your mind with truth. And begin to become more like my son. So I began to do that, and I began to pray. And I, and, and I began to read the Word, and I began to read Christian books, and, and, you know, and I ended up getting addicted to, like, Christian books. So I read all of Andrew Murray's books. I read all of these guys, these amazing guys, Robert Murray McShane, all of these guys. I started reading and reading and reading and just reading the Word of God and, and spending time in prayer, and I started to change, and I started to change, and eventually the areas, the temptations, and the things I was dealing with just went away just went away it was no longer like a battle it's like I don't even have to fight that battle anymore it's not even appealing to me It's like I I have no interest in these things and so you know I had people say to me Christians when I first came to church I had long hair okay this is what I look like long hair okay earrings and I had safety pins That actually held the sleeves of my leather jacket together I was one of the first heavy metal slash punk rockers okay like I was eclectic the heavy metal people looked at me and said well you're weird but I was into like all this British weird stuff that had just come out and yeah and and this is what you know this is who I was and and I intentionally no kidding did things to shock people Okay. Back then, it wasn't, it, people were much more conservative, right? But I was doing things to shock people. So when I came to church, how many know that the outside doesn't always change right away? So I come to church, and the first thing that happens is some of the, the leaders in the church, not the pastors, approach me and tell me, you need to cut your hair, you need to get a suit. No kidding. You need to wear a suit. You're in God's house. You're in God's presence. My response was, I thought God was with us 24 hours a day. So when I have a shower, I should have a suit on? And when I sleep, I should have a suit on? Because, or or does God just live here? I think, well, he doesn't really have a fixed address. (laughs) I said, okay, so we're talking about religious tradition now. You see what I'm saying? Come on now. The point is, all of this stuff, this outward conformity, but God was saying to me, son, man looks at the outward, I look at your heart. Let me tell you this, guys, God does look at our heart. We can use that as an excuse, and we can say, well, those religious Pharisees, they're just trying to get, but we're still trying to justify something in us that's unclean, that's impure, right? What did Jesus say? Said to the Pharisees, you look at, you, you focus on the outward appearance. You, will, you have to have this facade, this semblance of everything looks good, everything appears right, but you know what, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and then the outside will be clean. When you focus on the inside, the outside does clean up. It does, the things on the outside that that need to change, God will change it, but he does it from the inside out. Righteousness is inside out. He changes us from the inward man, and we become more like him. So after a while, I realized there were certain words that that maybe I used, they weren't really swear words. I stopped that pretty much straight away when I got saved, but there were just certain words, and the Holy Spirit would even begin to challenge me on those words. Guys, the point is this, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all truth, and he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, John 16 says. So he wants to work in you, he wants to show you what he likes, what he doesn't like, but don't harden your heart. Listen to him, But yeah, but all my friends are like totally thinking I'm crazy, I'm extreme, and they don't do it, and they don't believe with me. doesn't matter. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he telling you about you? Don't worry about them. What about you? Right? So what about you? What is he saying to you? If he's telling you not to do it, then you don't do it. It's very simple. Don't try to justify it because other people. And then you've got other people, God forbid, who come to you and they challenge you to actually conform to their ways. And you know in your heart and your spirit, you're not supposed to go there. You can't can't walk down that roadway. You can't engage in that behavior. But they begin to put pressure on you, and then eventually you succumb to that pressure and you do it. But in your heart and in your conscience, you know you've disobeyed the Lord. So every believer becomes a disciple, focus on discipleship. For you, it might be this year, I don't really feel I'm in a place where I'm qualified, where I'm ready to disciple other people. I'm still addicted to this, I'm still struggling with this or whatever. That's okay, don't worry about it. God isn't looking for performance. He wants to change you. And if, if, if you make a commitment that for a year, I'm just gonna really commit to discipleship, I'm gonna get in the word, I'm gonna to go to church, I'm gonna join a small group, I'm gonna be intentional about looking and praying and, and, and seeking help, maybe counseling for these areas of my life, support, how do I get free from this thing? How, what doors do I need to close to keep the devil out of my life? What relationships do I need to, to disconnect from? whatever it takes but you say i'm going to be i'm going to be severe i'm going to be i'm going to be radical in my obedience i'm going to be a person who sells out to god to do his will you know the reason why jesus was so anointed according to hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 that he was anointed with the oil of joy come on now we all need the oil of joy right we, he's anointed with the oil of joy more than his brethren is because he hated iniquity and he loved righteousness Hebrews 1 verse 9, quoting the Psalms, hated iniquity, loved righteousness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy more than your brother. So, there's a place where we just commit ourselves to this type of radical obedience. And then, out of that, we can't disciple someone if we are not a disciple. So, address those areas in your life. You know, by this time, Jesus, you know, the writer in Hebrews said, by this time you should be teachers, but you need to go back and learn the fundamentals. Gentlemen, this is a football. You need to go back and learn the fundamentals. You Maybe at this point, maybe you should be a teacher. Maybe you should be able to teach others, equip others, but you've just been listening, but you've not been doing. The Bible says if you are here and not a doer of the word, you deceive yourself. The truth isn't in you. I listen, but I'm not applying it to my life. I'm not taking action. You know, so many people supplement their diet, their spiritual diet from, from technology, right? But the truth is, there has to be more than that. I listen to sermons online. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to have a place where you can interact and become part of a family. You need to be part of the body of Christ. If it's an unhealthy church, then get out of there. If it's toxic, leave. Find a place where it's healthy. Find a place that will help facilitate and foster your growth and development. So Jesus said we should also ourselves go and make disciples. We should make disciples. So the question is, if you have been a disciple of Jesus, and you can look back and you can say, yeah, I've changed. I become more like Jesus? Absolutely. Praise God. So who are you going to disciple? Who are you going to raise up? Because God wants you to raise up others. God wants you to help others. See, Moses had Joshua, Elijah had Elisha. Jesus had the 12. Well, wow, he was so good he could do 12. Paul had Timothy. Timothy. Who have we raised up? Who are we raising up? Who are we pouring into? I look at my own life and yes, there's obviously clearly people that I'm pouring into. And not only am I pouring into certain people to help disciple them, but there's leaders that I'm pouring into who are discipling others. But as I look at my own life and I can tick all the boxes, so to speak, and say, yeah, I'm doing all this, I realize that there's more I realize that God is saying you really need to give yourself fully completely to this because the Bible says in Judges chapter 2 verse 7 that after Joshua died another generation arose who did not know the Lord nor the mighty works that he had done there was a generation that arose ignite church is we want to be intentional and in discipling and equipping people who also will disciple and equip others. And guys, we have to make the commitment, don't we? I want to change. I want to become more like Jesus this year. Then you need to make the commitment. And you say, I want to change, but I don't want to do much or we maybe don't say that but we say well yeah i'm busy or i can't and we begin to make excuses but it's an excuse that's all it is it's an excuse we have to make the commitment to jesus to make disciples to become a disciple to become a discipler who who multiplies whatever it is so you're an equipper. Who have you raised up? Who are you raising up? Who are you discipling currently? I'm not just talking about, well, I'm teaching them how to play the guitar or I'm teaching them how to do video editing. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is how are you teaching them to become like Jesus? How are you, what does it say? Matthew 28, 20. Go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them. What? These new disciples, teach them to obey all the commands they've given you. Teach them to obey. Teach them how to obey God. That's good. And then lastly, a discipler who becomes a multiplier. A leader who develops people adds. A leader who develops leaders multiplies. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul is speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy. Remember, in Philippians, he says, there's no one like Timothy, no one. Paul influenced, impacted, raised up many. You can read names at the end of the chapters in the epistles, for example of all those he impacted in the various places he went in, but he said, there's really only w- one son. I really only have one son, Timothy, who served with me as a son, with his father in the gospel. It's amazing today, you go on Facebook, and if you don't go on Facebook, seriously, you don't know what you're missing. So much drama, no, I'm just good. <laughs> but if, 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 you're, if you're not on Facebook, don't go on. <laughs> How's that? (laughs) Okay. I'm just like, I honestly think about it every day. Shut it down. Get off it. Life would be so much easier. But the truth is, when you go on there and you see things like, well, my sons and daughters, I'm like, what? Paul, the great apostle, said he only had one spiritual son. And then this person, he's got 150, 200, I don't know, 1,000. Have you ever met them? Oh, no, no, we, we, we're on Facebook together. They, they send money to my ministry every month. They're my spiritual son, my spiritual daughter. I give them access to my teaching videos. Come on now. You see, guys, that's not what it's about. That's not what he's talking about. It's spending time pouring into. I mean, come on, Paul and Timothy lived together, guys, for years. And we don't have time to go through this process, but I, I will show you. But this is what Paul says, late in his life, he's an old man, he's gonna die. It's gonna be, you know what's gonna happen, he's about to be decapitated, right? In a Roman prison. So he says to Timothy, before I die, Timothy, you gotta keep this thing moving. You gotta raise up others. You gotta see the gospel continue to spread. So Timothy, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, Timothy, teach these truths to other. What? Trustworthy, this New King James says, faithful. Trustworthy people who will do what? Be able to pass them on or teach others, depending on which translation you use. We see four generations here. There's Paul, there's Timothy, there's faithful men, and there's others. Four generations, multiplying multiplying timothy keep it going keep it going what i've taught you keep it going keep it going keep it going keep spreading we have to raise up spiritual sons and daughters we have to raise up the next generation the church will never pastors the truth is guys not only in our movement but in most denominations maybe all denominations the age of pastors every year is getting older the average age of a pastor is getting older and older. It's in the 50s now, the average pastor. Why? Because we're not raising up sons and daughters. Why aren't we raising up sons and daughters? I think there's at least two reasons. Not, many peop- not as many people today are interested in being called into the ministry. They don't want it. They don't want anything to do with it, okay? But there's still those who do. Let me close with this in Pastor Jaffet's church, Pastor Jaffet is 24 years old, is a church, mostly young adults, and when Lynn and I were there just a couple weeks ago, we went on our holidays, we took our leave, paid it out of our money, and we flew over there to meet with these guys, and we took, I'm not boasting, I paid out of my own pocket to take 18 of the leaders to a conference, and. The reason why I did that is because Lynn and I did that is because we value these guys. And as we sat with them, there's a young man by the name of Israel. Israel doesn't speak English very well. Israel is a tribal person. He comes from the mountains in Palawan. First time in his life was just a couple months ago he had a shower. How old is Israel? 24. Um the first time he went on an airplane, he came over to Manila. Israel literally would ride what's called a carabao. It's a water buffalo. That's what they use to go up the side of the mountain. That's where he's from. Okay, he's saved. He's on fire for God. He wants to be in the ministry. There's a young lady, some of you know, named Rome's. How old is Rome's? 22. What does Rome say to us? I want to be in the ministry. They're in university. So what are you doing? Well, I'm gonna finish university, but now I want to be in ministry, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Lynn. And then there's Pastor Jaffet's two sisters, Joyful and Cell. what, 21 and 19? 21 and 19. What about you guys? Of course, we want to be in ministry too. We want to be in full-time ministry. I'm like, come on, guys, what are we gonna do? We're gonna stand before God on Judgment Day and give account if we don't raise up the generation. And if we have young people that know and they're willing to sacrifice their life and give themselves to ministry, I don't know. I'm not trying to put any pressure on anybody, but I'm saying there's gotta be something That we can do i know there is and and i know we have to be intentional about teaching and training these guys and raising them up equipping them doing whatever it takes and so in the dna of our churches particularly this year we are really going to be challenging you if you're just a believer if you're just a pew sitter if you just show up on a sunday you need to get activated you need to become a disciple. You need to start growing. You need to begin to start changing and addressing areas between you and God in your life that you need to change. If there's areas that have been holding you in bondage and keeping you back, you need to begin to ask people to help you pray into this. Can you pray with me? Be honest. Can you help me with this? Find someone who can, you know, a connect group leader, someone that you can speak to and, and ask and, and help you on your journey. If you're a strong and solid Christian, you know, you may, you may have things going on in your life. You're busy. I understand that. But guys, what about the next generation? What about discipling others? What are you going to do? You have ideas. Come and talk to me. If you don't have ideas, come and see me. I have many ideas. <laughs> but you need to begin to do it. The older would teach the younger. Right? Is that what it says? Yes. So it's not about platforms. It's not about positions. It's not about these things, it's about raising up the next generation. And then raising up particularly leaders who are raising up others, who are raising up other leaders. Wow, that's another level. But that's what brings us into multiplication where eventually thousands of people are reached. Every week, now, throughout the Philippines, South Africa, and we have Can I say it? We have a new church in Bali in Indonesia now. A new Ignite Church in Singaraja, the north part of the island of Bali. Pastor Eddie, who was persecuted. He started the first church of that community and he was persecuted and they threatened him. And he's now connected with us. He wants to be part of our network. And these guys are so hungry. Pastor Glenn, he's telling me, messaging me. Can you please send people from your church to come and visit us? They're surrounded by by Hindus and Muslims and 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 he's he's they've done so much they've struggled can you send people just to even come up and just spend some time with us and pray with us and encourage us can you is there people that you can send to us can you come can you send others who come and train us come and equip us we need training we need equipping you see they're so hungry and there's so much opportunity and If we can't find it in one place, that's okay. You can't kick open a door, can we? We need to wait on God. When he opens a door, then we're faithful to go through that door. Amen? Amen. Worship team, come forward. Thank you for being patient with me and listening as I share my heart this morning. Every believer, a disciple, every disciple, a discipler, Every discipler, a multiplier. We stand together, please. <clears throat> and just we're in a new year. it's February, right? Some of you just back from holidays, back in school, whatever. <laughs> At Eckrich, we don't just believe in crafting the finest smoked sausage and deli meats in America. We believe in doing whatever it is you want to do. Treading your own path, seeing the world, doing what feels right, and getting creative by skipping the recipe. Because whether you want to change the world or just change up a weeknight classic, Eckrich has got one thing to say. You do you.